Now, what if I were to tell you that you're about to get another stimulus check, but this time for $10,000 each? That's right, kids, $10,000 each. You were all gonna get this if I were to tell you this. And, and, and all you had to do to get this free money was to go to the bank tomorrow morning from 9 to 10 a.m. What would you do? How would you feel at this moment? I would say at first you might be skeptical, rightly so. Uh, we, but, but we've seen enough scams in our life uh, that, that something that sounds too good to be true usually is too good to be true. And you're like, yeah, $10,000, sure. I'm going to go to the bank and someone's going to jump me. They're going to steal my wallet. And I'm going to lose money instead of get money. Like naturally there's that, that, there's that acceptance because we've just seen people scam all the time. But part of you, I would think, would at least maybe call your bank and just check. <laughs> is this real? Maybe you drive by the bank to see if there's a line of people getting free $10,000. Well, this morning... We have some news that it's just better than $10,000 to each of you. We have news that, are, that is better than Baylor going to the national championship. Woo! We have news that is better than if you're that Gonzaga guy <laughs> with that last second shot. We have news that is happier than that. And so I want to say happy Easter, happy Easter, happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Today is the biggest day of the year. We are celebrating the biggest event in the history of the world. We're for the biggest person in the world because he conquers Satan, he conquers sin, he conquers death, and he conquers hell. And so those of you who don't know Jesus, I'll, be, I'll lay my cards on the table. I pray that you come to know him today. I pray that you would come to know him today or at least check out the claims. Maybe just see if it's too good to be true. I know it sounds too good to be true, but I would ask that you would just, wouldn't you just at least listen to this? This claims that we, there is life after death. And, and so for, the, for those of you who already do know Jesus, I pray that you realize that maybe we're doing Easter wrong. Maybe we've done Easter wrong for a very long time, that there's something more beautiful and more joyful and more ridiculous happening here. Like, remember, this is the greatest victory of the greatest event of the greatest story ever told. And so it's truly the best news in the world. We have to be able to see that today. And so my sermon today is just very straightforward. It's very simple. It comes from John 11, verse 25, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's basically the sermon. And so in, in, in three points, we have, we have Jesus, the resurrection, and the life. That's, that's, that's the outline. Jesus, the resurrection, and the life. And so who is Jesus? Maybe you really don't know. Maybe you're, you're, you're brand new, which may be hard in our culture of the Bible Belt, but maybe you don't really know about this story. Maybe you're just here for the treats, and so thank you for the treats. But maybe you're just here because you have to be. Well, Jesus is the hero of our story, of the Bible. John 6, Jesus says that he came from heaven. Now, some of you guys came from East Waco. Welcome. We're glad you guys walked here. Thank you. Some of you guys are from Waco. Thank you. We're, we're, we're really glad you guys are here. Some of you guys are from China Spring. I saw some of the mud on your cars. I know that's you. Um, some of you guys are from Hewitt. We're glad you're here. We have people from all over the city coming to this church, but not one person here can say 
that they came from heaven. Jesus says, I came down from heaven. And you know, how would you feel if someone said that to you? If Jesus said, I came down from heaven, and you, you know, people then at, during that day said, well, I thought he was the kid that played Little League with my kid. What, what, isn't that just little old Jesus? You know, like Jesus comes up to you and says, hi, I'm Jesus, I'm from heaven, and I am the resurrection and the life. What would you say? Oh, that's cool. My name is Slim. Uh, I, can, I can roll my tongue. So, you know, we both do pretty neat things. <laughs> no, <laughs> those things are not equal. Those things are not equal. Jesus' name is Emmanuel. That is God with us. That God came down from heaven to be with us. And he is God, and he's coming down to you and I. Do you see who Jesus claims to be? Jesus, in, in, in the gospel, says that he is God. There's no joking. There's no, there's no veiling that. Jesus doesn't dance around it. He claims to be God. And Jesus, yes, Jesus, says that I have created you. We've been going through the book of Genesis in this creation account. Jesus says he was there at the beginning, and he is creating you. And so when Jesus comes and we start doubting Jesus, we say, okay, we have the audacity to say, well, if you really are Jesus, you have to swear to God that you are God. And so Jesus awkwardly says, well, okay, I'll, I'll swear by myself that I am God, that I am Yeshua, that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, because he is he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God of the universe. And we say, prove it to us. It was Jesus who spoke creation into existence. It was Jesus who said, let there be, and there was. It was Jesus, the God creator, steps into humanity. That's Merry Christmas to us. We think presence. We think Santa. This is, this is Jesus coming to us. He's the clear hero. And as God, he was sinless. He was perfect in every single way. Now, some of you may think the person that you love is perfect in every single way. Well, Jesus actually was. Jesus actually was perfect and without sin. And even though perfect, he wasn't obnoxious about his perfection, right? Then, then all he does during his life was eat with sinners, eat with outcasts, eat with tax collectors, telling them about God's great love for them. He walks on water. He heals the sick. He told a storm to stop. <laughs> we can't get our kids to stop. He told the storm to stop. He said stop and it stopped. It was, it was tranquil. Look at him. Look at what he's doing. He makes waves and storms and wind and everything stopped by just the word of his mouth. He makes lots of fish and bread for people to eat. He turns water into Merlot, a really good Merlot. He casts out demons. He opens the eyes of the blind. He cares for the poor. He brings Lazarus and this boy back from the dead. He stops a crowd from throwing stones at a woman. But yes, let's murder that guy. And that's what they do. They murder this man. They murder the hero. They murder our Savior. We read all about this in our Good Friday service. About a, another innocent brown life taken. The crowds were threatened by him. They come up with these baseless claims and charges that he is, he's leading a revolt. And instead of due process and actually investigating these claims... The officials just say, let the crowd take charge. 
that you and I were overwhelmed, were outraged with him, that we were the ones that were yelling, crucify. The same ones who said, Hosanna in the highest, yelled crucify a week later. And so they, they, they hung him up on a tree. And, and the point of these state-sponsored killings called crucifixion was for shame. There wasn't a more shameful way to murder a human being. To have Jesus, the God of the universe, this man, to have him, him naked and just bleeding out, this, this slow death, just gasping for air while people taunted him. I mean, just the cruelty in that. And they just let him hang and die. And then they stabbed him for good measure just to make sure. And when he breathed his last breath, the whole earth shook and it became dark. And then they put him into a tomb and they rolled a stone in front of it. But Jesus, you know the story, but Jesus, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. In our passage today, Mark 16, it says, when, verse 1, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. What are they doing? They came to anoint a dead body, which is, in a, I guess, the equivalent in our day would be bringing flowers to the tombstone. They were coming to mourn. Their leader had just been killed. Verse 3, and, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us? From the entrance of the tomb, and, they, and then looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back, and it was very large, this giant rock, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in white robe, and they were alarmed, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. And all God's people said, he is risen indeed. <laughs> this is the greatest show. With all apologies to the circus, this is the greatest show. Never has there been a greater show than this one. This is the resurrection from the dead. This is the linchpin of our salvation. This is the cornerstone of our faith. This is the hope that we will go to the grave with. This is what will bring us through the valley of the shadow of death. This is our victory. I don't know how you react to me calling the, the resurrection a show, but maybe, maybe you feel like that doesn't feel right. That feels awkward. Like I, a show is fake, and, and I get that. This isn't fake. But if you look up the word show in the dictionary, you might, you might see some words like a display or one of my favorite words, a spectacle. That this was a spectacle. I mean, Paul literally said that when Christ rose, there was a spectacle that took place, not only on earth, but in heaven. And in the, and, and in the quarters of eternity, and for sure it reverberated through the quarters of hell too, that this spectacle was there for everyone to see. In fact, Paul put it this way, speaking about the spectacle of the resurrection, of, of the resurrection, he said that on that day that Christ died and rose, he took away the weapons of the powers of the authorities. He made a public show of them. The devil thought that he had defeated death, that thought that he had defeated Jesus. When he crucified Jesus, he thought that he had won. But Christ, 
but Christ rose from the dead and he stripped demon powers. Do you get that? That he stripped the devil of any authority and, and honor he might have or, or respect that he might thought he had had. He dragged them demons, them naked and bound out there. And so he had that, that dragon. He had that victory parade. Jesus came walking out of the grave like an Enzo dance. Right? He came walking out with that Conor McGregor swag to him. But only Jesus can have that swag. Only Jesus can have that strut and that confidence. Why? Because this is the greatest show, that Christ rose from the dead. There's this display of power, a display, a spectacle of the enemy who thought he could take us into the grave, who thought he could drag us into hell, grab, but, but Christ grabbed us from the jaws of death. He grabbed us from our sin, and he brought us to life. He brought us to health. He gave us his life. He is the resurrection of Christ from the dead, and that is our hope. Without it, we are in vain. Without the resurrection, we believe in vain. Without it, we gather here together in vain, meaning it's pointless for us to do this if he's still in the grave. It's Christ's victory over death that can give us hope no matter what we face in this life. But... Can you believe this news that just seems too good to be true? I mean, does it feel too good? Honestly. It should. It should feel like explosive joy. And you're like, can I believe that? It should be like the best news in the world because that makes, that, that makes you wonder, can it be true? And can it be true that we no longer have to fear death? Every single one of us will die one day. And when we do, we have to answer to God the question, why should I let you into heaven? And instead of hell, instead of, instead of judgment, why should you go to the place with no more tears? And why should we allow access to the Father? Our answer is the resurrection from the dead. Jesus paid for our sins on Good Friday and on, on the cross. And Easter Sunday, when the stole is ro rolled away, we hear that it is payment in full. Like, we want to we wanna give, give payment for sin. It, 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 but if, if he's still dead, then there's still penalty to be paid. Think about that. It, if Jesus is still on the cross, there is still payment to be paid, that God is still enacting his judgment on us. But Jesus is not on the cross anymore. I mean, what is Jesus saving you from? He's saving you from that, from that judgment, from that eternity of hell, eternity of God's wrath being poured out on you. And Jesus said, I'll take their hell. And in a few days, I'll do what it would have taken you an eternity to do. And we can know that God is satisfied because he's no longer dead. He's no longer taking that punishment. Jesus is no longer on the cross. My Jesus isn't on the cross. My Jesus isn't, isn't on the cross. He's not in the grave. He's not in the tomb. He is risen. It's not, he, he might rise or he, he will rise. He is risen today. Like, and so you have been spared this wrath by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Like you've been spared that. And that's our reason for explosive joy. Amen? Amen. I, I hope this sounds too good to you. I hope this sounds too good to be true. Because then and only then are you, are you really measuring how life-changing this news actually is. Well, how can you trust that it's true? 
If it does sound too good to be true, how can you trust that this is true? Let me give you three reasons, and I can say a lot, but let me just give you three reasons, and we can talk more if you want more answers. First, look at the, look at the first evangelists in this passage that tell of Jesus' resurrection. They're women. And I, I love that there was, there was a meme going on around last week uh, that, that just said, believe women. And there was, there was a stone rolled away. <laughs> I love that. It was just the, this beautiful picture, 100%. Believe women. Believe these women. But, but the reason that it's significant that the scriptures were including women telling this story is because women in that day weren't to be trusted as society saw it. It, it was a very misogynistic culture. Truly it was. Like a women's testimony wasn't, wasn't allowed in court. And there, there was a man named Celsus, a Greek philosopher, pagan philosopher, who lived about 80 years after Jesus' death. And, and, and he was one of the, the staunchest opponents to Christianity. And he wrote a number of books to refute Christianity, and one of his strongest arguments was that, the, that one, one of the ways that we know Christianity cannot be true is because of the accounts of the resurrection are based on women. And in that day, the society said, oh, yeah, that's true. Why did he know that it was a strong argument? Because the culture didn't value women. And to many extents, we still don't today. But Jesus does. But Jesus does, Christianity does. And the first evangelists, who were they? They were women. But if the gospel writers were trying to make this all up and, and try to pull the wool over our eyes, if they're trying to make this up, then it would be dumb for them to, to write this, this account as women, as their first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. If this was all a nice fairy tale, then why have women be your star witnesses? Because it's not made up. Mark names names. Like, he doesn't just name women in general or apostles in general. He, he says Salome and Mary Magdalene. You know, this is the woman who had seven demons inside of her. I don't know about you, but anything more than three feels like a lot of demons inside of me. She had seven demons. You've heard of her. Go talk to Mary Magdalene. You, he's like, you think I'm lying? Go ask them. These are well-known people. Go to talk to Salome. He was, she was there. Talk to them. Like thousands of people give their life for Jesus in these early days. And do you think that happens just by reading about it in a, in a, in a, a, a scroll or in a book? No, he's saying you have to go talk to them. And so they went and talked to them, and, and they heard from them firsthand. And they said, yes, I was there. The stone was rolled away. It was wild. And so Christianity explodes. Second reason you can trust this that leads you, the second reason you can trust the resurrection account of Mark that's right here. His followers rallied after his death. In that day, if you don't know, there, there were actually dozens of, there are dozens of messianic movements going on of people who followed their leader who claimed to be the Messiah. And after that, that leader died, the, the movement died with it. That it disbanded with it. Why? Because deep down they knew that dude was a little crazy. Like they knew something was off. I don't truly believe him, but I, I was following him while it helped me. Dozens of false messiahs and people saw their leader's true colors and then it implodes after he dies. But this one, after its leader dies, it explodes. It, 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 it rises 
in spite of the fact that those closest to Jesus knew him well enough to know if he sinned, knew him well enough to know if he was a liar, if he was crazy, and yet they went forward with it. I mean, one, one of the women present here is Mary. That's Jesus' mother. Now, now, some moms worship their children, but Mary really worships her, her child, right? Like, she, she took it to a whole new level. She worshiped him as God. And if, and if anyone has reason to doubt that you are God, it's probably the person who wiped and changed your diaper, right? It's probably that person. Or, or if, if not your mom, your brothers would definitely tell you that you're not God, right? Jesus' brothers didn't believe him at first. But after the resurrection, James and John, they become pastors that, that go, to, go to their death defending who Jesus was. Now, many of you would say, I know my brother. He slaps me in my sleep. He's definitely not God. He might be the devil. And that's how it usually goes with brothers, right? Like, definitely not God, might be the devil. <laughs> that's how it goes. Who would follow that person? But his brothers follow him to their death, believing him. If your own brothers believe that you're God, that's, a pretty, that's pretty good evidence. Lastly, one more reason to believe in the resurrection it's just, this, this whole passage is just a, it, the presence of fear is written all over it. In this account, this, this whole thing has the, is just marked by fear. The way Mark ends, there's a short ending of Mark, and verse 8 is, is truly the ending of, of Mark 16, of the Gospel of Mark. It goes on because the, the early church was like, how does it end like this? Go tell the disciples, and, and the women walk away in fear. We're not sure if they actually go tell the disciples. And so people tried to add some stuff to try to fill out the story. Because it just feels odd to end it so abruptly with all this fear that's right here. But this whole account is written in fear. Now we understand from the other Gospels that they do go tell the disciples and things like this. But this whole thing is painted. Its leaders are painted in such negative light. If you just notice, there's no disciples present here. There's no disciples at Jesus' resurrection. Like, Jesus spent three years with these men, day after day, pouring his life into them, saying, I will die, and in three days I will rise again. He said that over and over and over again. I will die, in three days I will rise again. I will die, in three days I will rise again. And yet, when Jesus dies, not one person goes, maybe we should check the tomb. Like, no one says that on the third day. What? Why didn't they go? Like, we don't, why didn't anyone say, let's just see if anything happened? They doubted. They were afraid. Like, and, and so why include this account in your gospel story if, if it paints you in the worst light? If you were making this up. It's because it's not made up. All the disciples, Peter, and even the women are in total mourning, completely destitute, and this should underscore that this isn't a fairy tale that's just supposed to help you, make you feel good about the afterlife. No, this is the way it's happened. It's real. It's awkward. The leaders of the movement are just painted in the very worst light. And in verse 7 says, Jesus is saying to them, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Does that sound weird to you? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter's a disciple. That's like me saying, hey, go tell the kids to come in and Jordan. 
Now, why would I say that? I want all the kids to come in, but I, I, I especially want Jordan's attention. Go tell the kids and Jordan. Jesus says, go tell the disciples, especially Peter, who denied me three times, that I am risen, just as I told you it would happen. I mean, do you hear the grace that's in Jesus right there? I'm alive. Then go tell Peter. I mean, it's shocking. If, if someone betrayed us like that, we would want them to grovel. We would want them to beg for mercy. But Jesus says, go. He, he initiates it. Go and tell Peter that I'm alive. Go and tell him because I, I want him to especially know because I love him no matter what. And so Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, is the resurrection. And lastly, he's the life. The life. The cross, the cross is meaningless if the resurrection doesn't happen. Let me say that again. The cross is meaningless if the resurrection doesn't happen. Now, do we get that? And I, We talk a lot about the cross here at Mosaic, and that, that's, that's my fault. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't talk enough about the power of the resurrection. But, but the cross is meaningless if that doesn't happen. But since Jesus was raised from the dead, like this sends shockwaves from this world to eternity and back again. Like the resurrection is, is hope in both the world to come and in the life that we have now. Last year in our Easter service, online service, we emphasized the hope in the world to come. But, and, and we need that. That is crucial. Some of you lost some loved ones this year. And you need to know that those who you lost are not just sitting in the ground. Scripture says in the blink of an eye, they're with their Savior. And one day they will get their glorified, more perfect bodies. And so there is hope in the world to come. But there's also hope in this life right now and sometimes i think we can miss that like we think why does this event that happened 2000 years ago why does it matter to me on a monday the resurrection means that you have power that you have a power that can raise jesus from the dead that same power that raises jesus from the dead is in you and therefore you can always always hope always and so in, in every way possible, we are Easter people. Easter people. We are people of the resurrection and people who can hope in any situation. Like we believe there is power and freedom in the face of addiction. Jesus died and rose not so that you can keep on sinning, but he died to pay for your sins and so that you can now get up and fight those sins. He got up not so that you can give up. He, he wants to bring life to all areas of our lives, to resurrect those parts of your life that just reek of death. You, you can conquer the bitterness if Jesus conquered the grave. You can conquer whatever is in front of you because you have that powerful resurrection power inside of you that, that rolled away the stone. And by the power of being united to him, that union in Christ, that he rolled away the stone, he can also roll away your stone. And so that death doesn't mark you anymore. Your life is not in the tomb anymore. 
the, the stone is rolled away from your life as well. That there is life. And so, so many times I think we, we think, and I think, I'll never change. And we think, I, I just can't stop myself. And, and that thinking sees Jesus as dead. That thinking sees Jesus as powerless. But he's risen. And if you invite Christ into your life, Christ crucifies that old life and brings your body to the cross with him, and he gives you a new spirit now. Amen? Preach. Preach. That's right. Thank you. Or maybe, maybe, maybe we're letting that hopelessness creep into our lives of the way we view other people. And we just give up on them. And we just say, they'll never change. That's who they are. Have you ever given up on someone like that? If we believe in the resurrection, we believe God has the power to do anything with anybody. We never write anybody off. And so do we live lives that reflect the resurrection or that we believe that he's still in the grave? Easter people are marked by this hope, this never-ending hope. To be Easter people means we believe not in a good idea of the resurrection. We believe in a literal bodily resurrection. There are plenty of Hollywood stories of the hero who, who almost died or who almost got knocked down, but he got back up. This isn't that story. This isn't the great comeback of 33 AD. This is the real, true curb stomping of death in hell and spitting in Satan's face. This is taunting death and saying, you're dead. This is an end zone dance. You can't touch me. The tomb is empty. And so are you, devil. I want you to get this. Jesus... This Jesus, who, who, who could not be contained by the grave, who could not be stopped by a stone, sealed by a stone in front, of the, in front of the tomb, who couldn't be held back by even death itself, stops at a door. In Revelation 3, 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The same grace that Jesus offers Peter, says, go tell Peter. That same grace that's offered to Peter is offered to you right now. Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Do you hear him? Do you hear his voice calling to you? And I want you to hear me pleading with you today that if forgiveness and hope is available to you, wouldn't you be a fool to say no to it? Why waste any more time not considering the resurrection? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet they shall live. Would you make today the day that you answer that knock? This door is the most important door in the, in the whole entire world. I pray that you would find that door and I pray you would open it 
Some of you, some of you have stood by the door and you've listened to the knocking, but you haven't opened it. You haven't asked Jesus to come and take over your life, to say, I want to believe it wholly, 100%. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet they shall live. I mean, do you want to live forever? Open that door today. Let the resurrecting power of Jesus in. For those of you who've let him in, do you need hope in a really dark place? Hope and power in really dark places of your life. I want to say to you, look at the tomb. Look at the tomb. The stone is rolled away. And if Jesus can defeat death, you have an endless supply of hope and power inside of you. Jesus has defeated death. You can look at the, to- at the, at the tomb and see the stone is rolled away. And you say, I have hope. I have endless hope. I can never doubt. And so don't ever, ever, ever give up that hope in Jesus. Let me pray for us.